0: Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. Today, we talk about extreme heat and hot temperatures across the
1: world, the success of Bidenomics, and how to stay hopeful in the midst of some
0: crazy news. And joining us for our interview for A Blast of Hope for 2024 is Billy Winsett, founder and executive director of the Movement Voter Project.
1: I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona.
0: I'm Jessica Craven. And And this is How We win. Win. Well, hi, Jess. Here we are. Hi. hi, Jen. Yeah, Steve is on vacation this week, y'all. Yes. So Jen and I are doing it on our own. And can I share with the, the group that Jen also has COVID? So we're she is showing up heroically, um, even though she is sick. Thanks, everyone. Yes, it's,
1: it's hit us this summer summer COVID wave is happening. And so be careful out there. I would say people should mask up, you know, more than we have been doing because it's, 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 there's a little bit of a resurgence now, I think from summer travel and other things probably, but it is definitely happening. <laughs> I can yeah. attest to that fact. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. How you feel? You feel okay? I feel okay. Yeah. It's just the beginning and it'll be all right. It's just um, so kind of a summer bummer, but What are you going to do? Yeah, Yeah. it's our life these days, but um, I'm grateful that I'm not feeling too sick.
0: Good. Well, speaking of summer (laughs) bummers, uh, we will just, I guess, jump into our, you know, there's a lot going on, right? There is so much going on. Uh, It is always hard to know what to focus on, but we, I think, definitely would be remiss to at least not touch upon the fact that we are having extreme heat events across the country, also flooding, also lots of other extreme weather events. Uh, But my husband came in this morning and said, hey, uh, it is 154 degrees in Tehran right now with the heat index, which is at the very, very edges of what humans can survive. Yeah, Yeah. it's really
1: scary. I hadn't heard that.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's real scary. And, uh, you know, so... (sighs) There are so many facets to this, and I think one of the big ones is that this is hitting us very, very quickly. I mean, the climate you know, crisis has been coming, and it's been building, and we've all seen it happening, but this feels like we're sort of escalating into a new chapter, don't you think, Jen?
1: Yeah, it definitely feels that way. I mean, it feels a little bit like what I was reading in some of the climate science fiction several years ago. You know, it's like this is what happens. These massive heat waves that kill millions of people. And, you know, it's it does feel like it's starting to get to that level. And, of course, some of us are sheltered from it because of where we live. But in, in this country, for sure, there's been re- really, really oppressive record heat. I know in Phoenix in particular, right, Arizona has dealt with really high, consistent temperatures. People can't get a break. Certainly in Texas. I've been hearing that too in the parts of the Northeast. So, and then not to mention the world and and definitely across Europe, we've been seeing that um, those trends as well, I think, over the last couple of years. But yeah, it does feel like a new level. And it does feel a little bit like when, you know, um it's it's the it's the result of the climate denial that we've seen permeate through the Republican Party and the conservative culture, like this is what happens when you have a culture of denial and we haven't taken the steps we need to take. This is actually just the result and it's harmful
0: and it's going to, it's going to, we're going to lose a lot of lives from it. Right. Yeah. Right. And and yeah, so and, and still and the and the thing is it would be so nice if at this point they all sort of said, like, well, you know what, we were wrong and we'd better do something about this. But no. the thing that's hard and frustrating is that they are still, um, still espousing climate denial. And uh to me it feels like a moment of um I mean, the urgency has been so strong already, but like yeah. we have to vote out Republicans if yeah. we want to Get out of this climate crisis! Like we have to vote them out everywhere. Yeah. Um, the sense of urgency just which was already at a ten just went up to like a fifty for me. It's just and there's no more time. Like it. It's yeah. It's got to happen. We have a great guest today who we'll hear from a little bit later who talks about um, you know, the fact that we it's easy to feel just a sense of dread and just sort of want to go curl up on the couch and give up on everything, but he really does point out, and I won't spoil the interview too much, but that we are at a moment of opportunity and inflection, and we still do have the chance to sort of right the ship, and we can do it. We already have a president who is willing to take a lot of great climate actions, and we need to give him more power in 2024, and it can be done. So. That's really true, right?
1: Yeah, because we also know what a lot of policies are that we need to implement. There's been so much great work being done on that. So in many ways, that is really the cause of this has been a lack of political will to do the right thing. And we haven't had enough power on our side at the federal level who are willing to stand up to those oil companies and all, you know, all the corporations that are affecting things and We can. It's true that we we certainly can do it. And what we've talked about on this podcast before, when some of those reports have come out, where it's like you have to you have to times one hundred what you're doing, and you have to do it now. Right. You know, if that we have any chance of turning this around. So I think that it. I think the the heat wave that we're seeing. You know, people are suffering from is is just another reminder of how. Much is at stake uh, for us to get enough electoral power to pass to pass the policy we need and to show the world leadership that we need to change this quickly, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that you know people who have never called their representatives before are going to have to start getting on the phone, yeah, and uh, you know, and calling, and I want to remind people that, like you don't have to be articulate and you don't even have to have a script. You can just call and say, Uh, I'm freaking out about the climate crisis. What are you doing? Like, I want to know exactly what bills you're co-sponsoring and what policies you're pushing. And if you're not, what is the matter with you? Like, you know, this is really important for people to know that like the words aren't important. They're basically going to hear like, wow, we're getting a lot of calls about climate all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's really true. I love that. I think that's great advice. So if
1: you're out there suffering in the heat, Use that momentum to call your representatives and ask them what they're doing on climate.
0: Yeah. And tell them how it's affecting you personally mm-hmm. because the personal stories make a really big difference. They really do. It's very true. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: All right. Well, sending our kind of good vibes out to everyone who is out there struggling in the heat. I know you guys have been a little bit in Southern California as well. So Yeah. A bit. Stay Stay inside, I guess, as much as you can, right? Yeah. So the other thing we're going to talk about, I guess, more a little bit on a positive note, is around how President Biden is having a really good week um, when it comes to the economic news. Of course, there's been a big push that he was doing over the last few weeks with Bidenomics kind of getting a frame out there and a story out there about the way that the Biden team and the Democrats have been running the economy. There's a common misconception that a lot of voters have or people have in their minds about the economy where we talk about it like it's a natural being, you know, like an autonomous being or a, a natural force or kind of a god where mm-hmm. there's like, you know, are we are we doing okay for the economy? Like is every is are we doing what we can to help the economy? Like it becomes like this persona and that's not right. It's not accurate. And it actually leads to more conservative ideas and a more conservative way of thinking about economic issues. So that's why I like to say Joe Biden is running the economy, meaning like we are in charge of the economy. And Mm, I think that's what, (laughs) yeah, people are in charge of the economy. It's we are over the economy. And so that's what's exciting about the Bidenomics push and and what's been happening is that it actually is true how how we are running the economy is showing better results. So today um, or yesterday, I think the consumer price index number showed inflation going to 3%. That's the lowest rate it's been since March 2021. So everything that the Biden team is doing, that the Fed has been doing, is actually helping cool inflation, which is what everybody wants. And we know, of course, that inflation was caused by coming out of the once in a generation pandemic. It was a global phenomenon. It wasn't just something that happened to us here in the US. Um, but it's it sort of contributes to, um, in general, like the jobs numbers have been very good. The unemployment num- numbers have been lower than historically lower than any other time. And I just think like, It's good to take take a step back and see, yeah, Biden inherited a very volatile situation around an economy that was trying to figure out what to do in the middle of COVID and there was a huge risk of recession, but everything that, or even depression, right? But yeah, everything yeah. that Biden did, where it was like putting money into people's pockets, like to passing this historic rescue plan and then spending the first two years passing investments in infrastructure, creating all of these jobs, working on the clean, green energy economy and, you know, starting to shift some of that power in the, in the climate space, um, all the, the things that they were doing to put money in people's pockets, it, it did actually result in where we are now, these like great economic indicators. So right. it's a good time to celebrate.
0: Yeah. And to spread the word. I mean, and we've talked about this before, but how important it is to talk about this, because really so many Americans are still saying things like, well, I don't know that Biden's done anything for me or right. you know, so that's really common which is very very frustrating but we just have to keep sort of talking about the fact that he's great on the economy and that's not like you said it's not a foregone conclusion like the economy doesn't just happen it is acted upon and as a result behaves differently
1: something we have to that we manage and the choices we make matter and whenever republicans are in office the only thing that they want to do is cut taxes for the wealthiest wealthiest people it drives up our debt. It does not put money in the hands of regular people. It continues to choke the resources up at the top, and then that is what causes these bad economic conditions that we then inherit as Democrats and have to work to undo. And I really think that is another, you know, example of what we're saying about the opportunity that that Billy is talking about is true with climate and it's true with the, with the economy too because. Biden has done such an amazing job managing the economy, I would say, better than even Obama or other presidents that we've seen before. Just the way that his team has been approaching it is really right, in my opinion. And if we can keep that going for another four years, like... Perhaps we actually can start to, to really tackle some of the root causes of inequality. Perhaps we can really start to democratize the capital in this country in a, a way that can, can really see flourishing of small businesses and people taking control of their own lives and, and, and resources. And that's, I think, what we really need to turn the corner, you know, to get out of this mess.
0: Yeah, and and I will say, and this can, you know, fold right into my reason for hope, but I think there was a white paper that came out last week that said that he actually is already decreasing income inequality. Like, it is actually, that gap is closing. It's still obviously vast, Mm -hmm. but he's already made progress towards that. And I agree, Mm -hmm. it is like, if we can get the majority in the House back and one or two more Senate votes or, you know, Swap out Kirsten Kirsten Cinema for a, a real Democrat. Yeah, yes. it is. Um, I mean, I think people forget how close we were to passing paid family leave and the Build Back Better Act. What were, yeah. we were one vote short. I think. Right. And I mean, yeah, yeah, and and a filibuster, I suppose. But I mean, it it is. Uh, we were close, and we can be close again, and we can get it over the finish line. Um, so yeah, it is. Uh, it's important to trumpet these things. I think so. Yeah, I agree. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so that's my reason for hope already. What's your reason What's for that? hope this week? <laughs> <That's good.
1: laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> top Did I put one? you on the no, spot? No, no, no. I I, right, I hadn't really thought about it as much. But um, I guess I'll say just kind of stemming from our conversation with Billy and also all the work that you've been doing, I still think right today I'm feeling hopeful about getting people involved in this big project that we have right now. I think that we haven't historically done as good of a job just giving regular people something to do that's meaningful. And I'm thinking about that a lot right now as we're getting, gearing up for this really big election cycle. It it is so important. And this conversation just underscores again, like these are really big things that are at stake and really important critical where you could go one dark path, like a crossroads where you could go one dark path versus like a much lighter path. It's not a bit gray anymore, it feels like. So I'm hopeful about just like getting more people engaged and involved and kind of coming into this new renaissance of volunteer engagement for for our our movement and our people. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. I agree. I mean, wow, we get to live in a period in history where the stakes may be the highest they've ever been. Yeah. Which is, you know, who wants that? Nobody really, but like, that's what we got. So are we going to rise to that occasion or not? It basically comes down to that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It really does. It's, it's, a good, it's an interesting moment to be alive. Absolutely.
0: That is one word for it, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> interesting.
1: Yeah. Shall we go to the chop wood, carry water? What we want
0: people to do? Sure. And you know, I think it's sort of what I talked about before. I think this is a moment where I, I want to encourage everybody, even if this is not something they normally do, to reach out to their representatives. Just for just call your representatives mm-hmm. and just tell them, be personal and be vulnerable and tell them how freaked out you are about climate and ask yeah. what they're doing. And the other thing I want to encourage people to do is to contact uh, President Biden as well. And you can do that through, there's a White House form. Uh, you can just, you know, Google, contact the White House, and there's a, there's a form. It's actually quite difficult to call. They make it quite hard. Mm-hmm. But the email is really easy. And and again, I think that what President Biden does need to do at this point, and we have asked him for this for a while, but I think at this point it's really getting clear as he needs to declare a climate emergency, mm-hmm. which would free up a bunch of resources and enable him to sort of act with more um, yeah. unilateral force. And I think at this point it's very, very obvious that that's what needs to happen. So You can contact the White House and ask him to declare a climate emergency. You don't need to, again, be articulate or have a long paragraph about it. Just tell him you're worried and you want your kids and your grandkids to be okay. Yeah. And this is a yeah, this is a moment where we need to use our voices loudly and in a very uniform fashion to demand that um, Congress really get moving and that President Biden get moving on this. So, yes, yeah, that.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much. This was fun. Uh, we miss you, Steve. So don't worry. We're not going to just start doing the podcast without you. It's we really need you to come back. But glad that Steve is getting a chance to get on vacation. Jessica's going to be going on vacation too. So it's nice for us to be able to have this little summer, little summertime where we mix it up a little bit. Yeah.
0: So uh, we're going to take you to our interview with Billy now. Excellent. Y'all, I am very excited about our interview today. We have Billy Wimsat with us. He is the founder and executive director of Movement Voter Project. This is an organization that I constantly refer people to. It is one of my favorite groups out there. Movement Voter Project is essentially helping raise money for incredible grassroots organizations all over the country. They are funding the next, you know, Stacey Abrams and doing work that is so critical. Uh, I personally believe that they have you know are are almost single-handedly saving our country and uh I love them and Jen has also worked with Billy and worked with the organization so we are just thrilled to have them here with us today and welcome Billy.
2: Thank you. Oh my god, it's so like I am totally a uh, fangirl you <laughs> Jess. Like um yeah, it's so great to meet you. And Jen, what's up?
1: Billy, hi. Nice to see you. Billy and I have known each other for a very long time. We met at a conference in like 2003 or something. Wow. Very long time ago. Um, always been good co-conspirators in the work and- Feel that we have been in this struggle together for a very long time. So, so nice to have you on, Billy.
2: Yeah, and our organizations collaborate. Way to Win and MVP were like all the time. sibling, like BFF organizations. <laughs> so, really for sure, fun.
1: yeah. Billy helped start Way to Win too. So, wow, did not know that. That is yeah. incredible.
2: That's giving way too much credit, Jen. <laughs>
1: well, you were part of the founding group <laughs> where we were talking about the needs and what to do. So, I consider you one of our one of our founding, uh, founding peeps. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> yeah, take <of> it.
0: <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, Billy, why don't you start out and tell us a little bit about your background and and when and why you founded Movement Voter Project. Tell us a, a little bit of the, the origin story.
2: Sure. Well, I have to start by saying I grew up in Chicago and I was, you know, politicized, you know, growing up in High Park with the, you know, intense racial segregation and burning with anger at, how that happened. And that led me to hip hop and graffiti and journalism. Um, I was a journalist and wrote books and traveled around the country. Um, and in doing that, I I was like, we need solutions. We need people who are, how do we fix all these problems? You know? And, um, I got hired by rock the vote in the nineties to be their national talent scout. And in doing that, I met all these incredible organizers and activists all over the country. And I was like, how come no one's, how come there's no list of these groups? How come no one's ever made a list? So really for the last 25 years, I've been doing the same thing, which is finding the best and brightest up and coming organizations all over the country and trying to, you know, spread the word about them, raise money for them, help them succeed. And after the 2000 election, um, where we lost in Florida by five hundred and thirty seven votes, and I was living in North Carolina at the time and um and I was like, Holy shit, I guess elections matter um, i guess <laughs> I guess they can be decided by very close amounts and then when I saw what happened with the Iraq war and the Bush tax cuts and the Supreme court appointments and all the terrible things that happened because of 537 votes in Florida, I was like, Oh my God, we have to do something about this. And I, I was someone who, even when I worked for rock, the Vote, I didn't believe in voting. I was like, voting doesn't matter. It doesn't work. What's my one vote. I didn't vote till I was 27 years old. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I was like one of those kids who was like,
1: I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um,
2: and I was like, "Holy shit!" There's a group. There's a whole generation of people who are like me, who want to change the world, who don't believe in electoral politics. So I started something called the League of Pissed Off Voters, and our concept was make our own little local progressive voter guides all over the country. It was kind of a, a thing in um in two thousand four through two thousand eight, um, and then I you know did a bunch of other things, worked in the Obama campaign, and got involved in donor organizing and um helping. Uh, with a donor community called Solid Air, which was like a movement oriented donor community. And I was kind of like the political person there. And in in the 2014 election, there were all these Senate races in places like Kansas and, and Alaska and Georgia and, you know, and so I was advising donors and, you know, they were like, what, what groups should we give to in Kansas? And I was like, oh, let me make you a list. So I made a Google doc. You know, I was like, here are all these groups and, you know, states you don't live, groups you've never heard of, or in states you don't live in. <laughs> and they were like, this is so helpful and started writing checks to these groups. And I was like, wow, I should make a website of these groups. Like, well, why has no one made a website? That's ridiculous, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. So so I made a website and I, you know, interviewed like 50 people, you know, who were kind of experts in areas to fill out my semi-encyclopedic knowledge of these groups and and to this day at movement.vote you can go there and um we actually have to update it but it's it's the closest thing to an encyclopedic uh listing of organizations that both get out voters um at election time and do deep issue organizing and transformative work on a whole range of issues from climate to economic justice to you know reproductive rights, you name it across the country. So, um, and it's, and we've highlighted and supported over 500 groups, um, over those years. So in 2016, um, and, and it was really a service to donors because, you know, donors get, you get all these terrible emails, you know, and you're like, who do I go to? Right. And it's usually it's, you know, if you're a big donor, then you're going to get calls from politicians And, you know, and national organizations and usually the organizations that have the resources and access to do that are the ones with like big fundraising departments and like how much of your money is actually going to get to Georgia and Wisconsin. And so I was like, let's let's make it really easy. You shouldn't have to be a super like sophisticated, wealthy donor. You know, if I'm giving if I live in California and I'm I want to give $50 or $10 a month, you know, I should be able to give it directly to organizations on the front lines that are um that are going to get out voters in the states that are going to affect my life and my kids' lives. You know, I have kids. I'm here in Massachusetts. My vote is not going to flip the presidential election and there are, there are millions of people like me. Um and so movement movement vote is really a resource um or you know for the rest of us to to be able to fund on the front lines of these organizations and yeah that's a quick quick and dirty so good
1: yeah i love hearing that billy i was actually going to ask you because it just clicked for me how long you've been doing this this type of thing just like now that you're in this place what what are your kind of biggest learnings or takeaways or kind of like reflections on this strategy over all this time.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll give you a, a funny one, which is, um, you know, in the 2004 election, you know, the two biggest states where we invested were Florida and Ohio. It's like, okay, we're gonna go big in Florida and Ohio. Yeah. We lost those states, but we had a little bitty group in Washington State in Seattle. It's like, who who cares about that? You know, they turned out the the vote there. They turned out maybe like 500 unlikely young voters. Like, who cares? Well. The Democratic governor, um, Christine Gregoire, won that governor's race by 127 votes in Washington state. So there is wow. this race, you know, all the way up in the corner that we actually flipped, you know, that, that was kind of like a footnote. And then the same, I realized the same thing keeps happening every election. So in the 2008 election, we had a, a tiny group in Minnesota, League of Pissed Off Voters group, you know, again, that turned out about 500 unlikely, mostly young, you know, um, voters of color. And mm-hmm. um, Al Franken won that Senate seat by 312 votes in a recount mm-hmm. and wow. um, that was the 60th, you know, Senate seat that passed healthcare and every election cycle, there's something like that. In In 2016, you know, New Hampshire was one of those groups that's like 13th on everyone's list. Like nobody invested, you know, there wasn't a lot of outside investment in New Hampshire you know we supported a big big voter engagement program again Maggie Hassan won that seat by 1017 votes and there were all these you know organizers who nobody you know knew who were like knocking on buildings in immigrant neighborhoods in in you know Manchester and Nashua you know that that were the margin of victory that stopped Trump's tax cuts You know, people give McCain credit. Maggie Hassan also gets credit. And those organizers that nobody knows, you know, also deserve credit. And so that's why we, we have this model of funding in every race that looks like it's close. And, you know, so every Senate race, every governor's race, every House race, obviously the presidential, you know, and as many down ballot races as we can, because at the end of the day. You know, we're looking for races that are going to get decided by a couple hundred or a couple thousand votes, where where um, local people make the difference. And in in 2022, there were like so many of those. It's like, you know, in Nebraska, we saved the filibuster by right, like I think it was like seventy votes. You know, yeah. And yep. in, in Pennsylvania, they flipped the state house by fifty-two votes. You know, and there are just so many of these. All over the country, um, North Carolina, they temporarily saved, you know, the, the filibuster by like 600 votes, you know, right. and, and so, so we're always looking out for where's the money going to make the biggest difference and going to have an outsized impact in these, these hyper close elections.
0: And I think the the thing that's really important about what you do, at least from my understanding, is you're investing in groups who are going to stay in these districts and build relationships over time. They're going to register voters, then they're going to get to know those voters, they're going to circle back year after year. Um, whereas the reason I steer people to give money to your organization more than basically any other organization, there's two others I will often send them to as well, but that's for another interview, um, instead of like Senate PACs or the DCCC is because campaigns will sort of fly in and then fly out and take all of their data and all of their relationships with them, right?
2: We want to give people hope. And, you know, the, people don't realize the year-round infrastructure that groups like, you know, Way to Win and Movement Voter Project support is, it, it is the big machine that people think that, in many cases, the Democratic Party is kind of a hollowed out shell. In, in most of these places, so these are the groups that are actually talking to tens of millions of voters. People think little groups, you know, they don't have much scale; they don't matter that much. If you put them all together, you know, they are talking to tens of millions of voters, and they are they are um, trusted local messengers, right? And so, and, and they do so much more than just the vote work. Like if you look at you know Minnesota, right, another one where. They targeted a couple districts or they targeted all the, the Senate and House, you know, districts. They flipped the, the Minnesota State House by a thousand votes. Right. Yeah. But they didn't just win politically. They had built a movement of thousands of people who had gone and embedded in those campaigns, like passionate volunteers who who believe in in, you know, in like the full progressive change we need. They'd show up 75 volunteers at a time, you know, in a, in a, you know, sleepy statehouse district and be like, all right, we're your volunteers and here's our agenda. We're here to help. And that is why Minnesota more than any other state has passed so much progressive legislation because it was a 10 year build. And that is what we want to see in every state. We, We don't just fund like one good group. Like, well, how do you know which group is the best? Well, we fund whole ecosystems. Forty groups in a state, because it's not, it's like, that's like which baseball player is going to win. It's like, no, you need a whole team. You need a shortstop. You need outfielders, you know, that who's going to organize the Hmong community in Eau Claire, who's going to organize, you know, we need the whole team in the whole state to win together. So, so, and we support them deliberately in a, in a, in a holistic way to go from like, you know, frankly, a lot of underfunded groups, you know, live in a, in a culture of scarcity and competition, right? We're trying to move them enough resources that they can go to, you know, a culture of collaboration and abundance and dreaming big and transforming their states like Minnesota. Minnesota is the example of like what we want to help happen all over the country with collaborative power building, um, networks. So, so yeah, uh, now you're going to be excited. So yeah, we need <laughs> everyone to get involved. You know, there's so much donor malaise yeah. right now. And like donor malaise is the problem right now. Volunteer malaise is the problem. You know, like, yeah. yes, take a summer vacation. Yes, everyone's exhausted. But, you know, 2024, it's it's all coming down. Like we're either going to have a Republican trifecta that's going to, you know, spiral us into authoritarianism and um, yeah. climate catastrophe, or we could have a, a democratic trifecta, you know, and democratic trifectas in multiple states that will give bring hope, that will do something about climate for our children's futures, that will do some, you know, things about racial justice and, and reproductive freedom. And we can have this world, we can have this world in 16 months, you know, yeah. we can have, you know, if we replace cinema with Gallego, we can have an extra vote to, to win the voting rights that we didn't win. We can have all the good things, but we're going to have to work for it. We're going to have to work harder than the other team, smarter than the other team. We're going to have to, you know, get over ourselves and call everyone in our phones, you know, and be like, be part of this. We need you to be part of this in whatever way is appropriate. Um, it's It's going to be like, a huge team effort, you know, Biden's not going to inspire people. We have to be the inspiring people that, that get people out to vote. That's us, you know, that's big mm. old us. And so, You know, if, if you're part of this movement, thank you. You know, if you're not part of it yet, like we're here to recruit you, you know, Jen and Jess and I, you know, come be part of this like big, beautiful, you know, messy team family, you know, and let's make this happen together. Let's, let's create this future. We want this progressive decade.
1: Wow. Love that. Yes. I'm so in for that. Um, well, I, I think you touched on somewhat, but if there was something else you wanted to share, Billy, that you're kind of proudest of, especially over the last couple of years, if there's anything else you want to share, we wanted to ask you about that.
2: Ah, uh, um, well, I mean, I, I'll say some things about MVP that I think are are kind of um some of the most special things. I think that you know there are a lot of great organizations out there and you know when you're like god there's so many organizations like how do i decide which one you know to choose how are they all different i'm getting emailed from all of them you know i th- i think you know like most of them are right answers right you know there's some that are like mm-hmm. more scammy email people like watch out for any manipulative emails <laughs> like that's probably not a good group you should fund you know but but groups that are are recommended that that you have some kind of connection to they're probably all good right um and we're we're like very very committed to to being like radically collaborative with with all of the groups you know we're all in this together you know organizations are just vehicles you know so uh, we we see ourselves as like very much all in a movement together um, with all the good groups that you know, people have heard of and support, I think um some things that I'm most proud of about MVP, one, we have state advisors in the battleground states on the ground who are in relationship with these groups, you know, day in and day out. They're volunteering with them. they're they talk, you know, they're like, how do you vet people are I was like, how do you vet groups? Like, yeah, we do all the things other funders do. We look at their proposals and ask some questions and their budgets. and whatnot but then we also work with them we hang out with them they we you know help them um late at night dream their big dreams you know in coffee shops and like we we need you know there there are groups in Pennsylvania that um that you know were like teeny tiny criminal justice organizations that weren't getting paid attention to and our, our former amazing state advisor there you know Katie Sipp was like, helped them dream about um, building a statewide criminal justice coalition that also did electoral work. And they did that, mm-hmm. you know, all these groups came together, they did that. And, you know, and Josh Shapiro, frankly, wasn't great on, you know, criminal justice issues. Like, I'm I'm going to give the real talk. And, you know, yeah. they pushed him on it. And then he got better and, you know, he pointed some of them to the transition team to team to help create better policies, you know. So so and and that happens from our state advisors are amazing. You know, they're like deeply embedded with the organizations Um, and they're not just evaluating them for who should get, you know, how much money they're they're listening to them and they're helping them. You know, Um, and then so the second thing is our capacity building team, which is really behind the scenes. We have four people on our capacity building team, in addition to the state advisors who help groups get access to tools, to relational voting tools, to the, you know, to the voter file um, and are helping groups, you know, with technical assistance, with getting access to coaches and whatever consultants they need um, and helping pay for those things. So our capacity building team, like amazing behind the scenes work, and then one of the other coolest things about Moving Voter Project, because you know we started out kind of helping bigger donors, you know, and most of the kind of donor organizing field is about working with you know a couple hundred big donors, right? Um, Our model is very much like we want to be a space for donors at all levels. And, um, and we have these amazing volunteers. So we, we, we have some volunteer teams. Um, there, are a couple in Massachusetts and California and Seattle. Um, and there's some others that are forming that are, you know, the, the ones in Massachusetts alone have organized over 200 house parties and, you know, and we gave them, we made a deck, we taught them how to use it and they took it from there. And there's this whole generation of, you know, essentially retiring baby boomers who have, you know, done big things in their lives, have so many skills and are like, I'm here to save my grandchildren's future. This is a good strategy. Like, where do I sign up? And so we, we have these incredible, incredibly talented, incredibly committed super volunteers that are building teams, organizing donors. And, um, you know, and I think, I mean, we can't staff our way. We we can't hire enough staff to solve these problems. We have to engage volunteers and super volunteers at all levels, you know, right. to 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 join hands with us um, to to raise money for for these local organizations. And and I always like to say, you know, the the organizers are out there, you know, risking often risking their lives, you know, organizing in really tough communities and, you know, being threatened, um, you know, and and out there in the heat and out there grinding and, you know, often underpaid or, or volunteering, you know, it's our job as people who are not on the front lines, you know, who are living away from the front lines and or with lots of privilege to organize our communities where we are, you know, and give people hope. Like, like really so much of the politics is about fighting and doom and gloom. Like I'm here to give people hope. Like I need hope and we all need to to have hope together about this, this future that we're creating together, which by the way, Jen is, is a, a genius about communicating <laughs> for the, the hopeful visionary <laughs> future that we want. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what, what kind of inspires me to, to, to do this every day is getting to to hear from the groups on the front lines and and hear from the donors and the volunteers who are like, you know, I feel like we're all rowing together toward this this vision of like a, a progressive decade in the world that we all deserve, and we can get there. Like it's it's you know, we, there are two paths, and if if we row hard enough, you know, we can we can get ourselves on the good path. So.
0: I think that's just like, it's such an inspiring answer. And thank you for all of that. I mean, there, the, you know, we do, we typically wrap up our interviews by asking what gives you hope. And I feel like we just heard that from you. And I have been to those house parties, uh, a few of them, and they are remarkable. And most, most so because it, it sort of reminds me a bit of the Obama campaign. And it doesn't surprise me that you had that connection that they're sort of investing the volunteers with the power to take the thing out further. And so it becomes this kind of ripple effect of people talking about the great work you're doing and then them going out and talking about it. And, um, and there is, there is so much hope in those meetings and so much hope in what you all are doing. And, uh, it's it's an incredible what you're doing is incredible, and I honestly I don't think that we could have had the victories that we have had over the last several years without Movement Voter Project, and it's an organization a lot of people still don't know about, and yet I think it is truly funding the organizations who are doing the work that has won us so many of these elections. And so, um, you know, for for my own child, I am grateful that y'all are out there, and. Uh, It's just, uh, it's incredible. We're so thrilled that you're here and we're so thrilled that you're doing what you're doing. And if people want to get more involved and check out your work for 2023 and 2024, they go to movement.vote, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. And I have one request for everyone out there. If you're trying to figure out what to do next, find one friend and just sit down with them, get on the phone with them, go out to coffee with them and be like, what can we do? You know, and just start mm-hmm. brainstorming and brainstorm other people to talk to, and it'll spiral. Like honestly, like that's how Jen and I started Way to Win and Movement Voter <laughs> Project. It just started with conversations with friends. And so it's so true. I want to encourage people to take that that um that next step um of just talk to a friend. We don't have to do this alone.
1: It's beautiful and so true. Awesome advice and very true. We can all do something, and we all have to do more. In order for us to get there, I think that's the the bottom line. We everyone has to do more to fight what we have to fight.
2: Yeah, and it can be yes. fun.
1: <laughs> we yes, can make it can new be friends. fun to be on the side of good and humanity <laughs> and all that is you know beautiful about the world.
2: So thank you, Billy. Uh, it's so great to meet you finally <laughs> after reading your work. It's yeah, thanks. It's like I, I'm, I'm honestly in this for the making new friends. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like. Like the, the, the work, you know, is, is, is like the big reason, but, um, but the, the, the day-to-day thing that sustains it is the, like, you know, the connections with people, you know? So, yeah. So welcome to the movement, everyone, you know,
1: if, if you're
2: burnt out in the movement, like dust yourself off and, you know, start a new conversation.
1: Yes. I love it. Thank you Billy. You came with your cheerleader for the revolution hat fully <laughs> in f- true form today.
0: Thanks
2: Billy. Thanks, <laughs> thank Billy. You.
1: Talk to and you. Thank soon. you
2: for doing this. This is really cool. Yeah. Okay. Bye.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. This is how
0: we win. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you, so send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or find us on social at howwewinpod, Blues Boy Steve, Jen and Kona, and Jess Craven 101. Make sure you
1: subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our
0: show with your friends and people. There's always work to do, so we will be back with more next Wednesday. Bye.